unto him who has loved us and has washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests. Unto him be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. God's word for our sermon this morning is from the second gospel, Mark 9, verses 42 to 50. And I read those words to you earlier. My dear fellow believers in Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes in life we have to be drastic. We have to take action quickly, decisively, and assertively. For example, as a nation, we couldn't sit around and twiddle our thumbs when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor in 1941. We had to mobilize the, the country. We had to go to war immediately in order to stop the, the Japanese onslaught and with that to stop Adolf Hitler and his Nazism. The country had to take decisive action. And we did. In our own personal lives, we have to take decisive and drastic action when we have symptoms of uh, a serious illness or a problem, right? For example, if we have a pain in our chest, right? And tightness in our breathing and a tingling down our arm, we better get to the hospital, to the clinic, and get it checked out in a hurry, huh? In case it's a heart attack. We can't dawdle. This is how our God wants us to deal with sin. We simply can't ignore it and refuse to deal with it. We need to address it quickly and assertively. And that is the point of God's word that is in front of us as our scripture text for today. Jesus' words here where he tells us, and this is the point to go home with from our sermon, take drastic action over sin. First of all, for your own spiritual welfare. And secondly, take drastic action over sin for other people's spiritual welfare. We have to take drastic action when we sin because sin is serious. God is serious about sin. We see that in lots of different ways. For example, all kinds of Bible passages teach us that sin is serious. The Bible says the soul that sins, the individual who sins, he is the one who shall die. Or the Bible says in another place, the wages of sin is death. Plus, on top of those Bible passages, look at how God acts against sinners in the Bible. He had a man named Achan and his whole family stoned to death at the time of Joshua when Achan stole some of the plunder from Jericho. Moses! made one slip-up, right, when he struck the rock at Meribah instead of simply speaking to it as God had told him. And because of that, God kept him from leading the people of Israel into the promised land. God told the Israelites to wipe out the Canaanites completely and to kill them because of their rooted and historical enmity against him and the perversion of their culture. 
And add to that, we see with our own eyes the terrible results of sin out there in our world today. People who murder go to prison. People who sin sexually get transmitted, sexually transmitted diseases. People who run away from the police get into car accidents or get shot or get thrown in the jail. Bible passages, Bible events, and life today, they all preach that same message. Sin is serious. That's why Jesus says in our scripture text in front of us, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, Jesus is not advocating self-mutilation here. What he is doing is making a point very graphically, and that it is when it comes to sin, the real problem is not our hands. The real problem is not our feet. The real problem is not our eyes. The real problem is always our sinful hearts that lead the members of our bodies into sin. The hands, the feet, the eyes, they're just the outward tools that sinful hearts that we have are used to cause us to fall. Jesus made that clear on another occasion when he said, out of the heart proceed, and the first thing he mentions, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. You see, sin is a lot more serious than just kind of lying on the outside of our bodies. Oh no, sin right, runs to the very nature of an individual, and it comes from the inside out. And that's why we need to take drastic action over it. Isn't that true for your life and mine? You see, if we're honest with ourselves, don't we see that the sin inside of us is a real problem? We get angry with someone on the inside, and that's why the urge comes to us to smack them upside the head, right? With our hands or to wound them with our words. We sinfully want to go to places that are forbidden and to places that God condemns. And that's what leads our feet to take us there. We have a lustful desire in our hearts to look at what we shouldn't look at in the way of wine or women or internet information. And that's what leads us to sinful partying, illicit sex, and a social media gossiping lifestyle. The problem is here. It's in the sinful hearts. And the body parts are just the tools that are used to carry out the evil. And so we need to take drastic action over sin. What is that drastic action? It's called repentance. The word repent means to change your mind, huh? The cutting off in our text is a figure of speech for that repentance, for mourning how terrible sin is, for how much we've offended our God. 
It's a literary device used for expressing, for being sad for a sin that leads us to hell, huh? Because you see, if sin is so bad, it deserves a hand to be cut off. If sin is so bad that it deserves a foot to be severed, deserves an eye to be plucked out, then it must be pretty terrible. And God wants us to admit that, to come clean, right? To confess that and to mourn that, huh? Not by mutilating our body, but by crying on our inside over sin. That's repentance. And repentance is the key. Repentance is seeing all sin in life as an offense against God and against His holiness. Repentance is not being sorry that you got caught, but it's being sorry that we did it. Repentance is feeling in your heart that you know you deserve to go straight to hell for the kind of person that you really are. That is the first part of the drastic action that God wants us to take over sin. But it's only the first part, huh? We then follow up on that with the more important part of repentance. The more important part of this drastic action over sin, and that is that we put our trust in our Jesus as the Savior from that sin. We believe our God when he tells us that he has dealt with our sin once and for all time. And not because we deserved him to do that, but purely because he loves us. We joyfully accept the good news that our Jesus has paid for all of our sins, paid for them in full on that cross. And you know, trusting that message, having faith in that message, that too is drastic action. Because you see, faith in Jesus is always going to be contrary to everything that we think naturally and contrary to everything that the world around us tells us. Because you see, the world around us always tells us that we get what we earn, that we get what we deserve. But God tells us in the gospel that we get exactly what we don't deserve, right? Forgiveness of those sins and eternal life because our Jesus has won them completely for us. And to believe that truth and to trust that truth and to rejoice in that truth, that is the climax of our drastic action we do over sin. And as a follow-up, then comes the third part of our drastic action over sin. We, we resolve we are going to stop doing that sin in the future with the power of God's love. Oh, I know, it's true. We'll never do that perfectly. But the desire to stop the sin is there. And the progress might be ten steps forward and nine steps back, but we're going to resolve to do that, to deal with our sin. We're going to pull out all stops to get that done, to get the help that we need to do it. We are committed to giving the devil and our sinful nature a black eye, right? When they tempt us to continue to do the sin that we've just come out of and received forgiveness for. We commit to warfare, huh? Warfare with ourselves, warfare over the temptations that pull on us every single day. 
And we fight this battle, not in our own power, which we have none of. We fight this battle daily in the power of Jesus' amazing love for us. Here's what that means practically. If we're disobeying authorities, we're going to learn to respect and to obey them. If we're taking things that don't belong to us, we're committed to give that up and to give that back. If we're telling lies and misleading people, we're determined we are going to speak the truth in love. If we're being mean to the people around us, we're being driven to be extra nice to them the next time we see them. And if we're estranged from our family, we're determined we're going to reconcile. Hmm? You see what God is saying here in our text? This drastic action over sin needs to lead to a different life. And yes, it will always be a struggle. And yes, we will often fall short, but that's when we go back to the same gospel that converted us in the first place. And we are determined we are going to make progress because our Jesus loves us so much. And he has promised us the power of his gospel to help us to be better people. Now, if you were the only person in the world, I, we could end the sermon here. I could say amen and we could get up, finish our sermon, and go home, right? But we don't live in a vacuum. We don't live all by ourselves. Everything we do in life affects all the other people around us. And so there is a second aspect to this taking drastic action over sin. We also take drastic action over sin for the spiritual welfare of other people. Jesus brings that out here in our scripture text for today, in the very first verse. When he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. The faith of a Christian always starts out as the faith of a child. Whenever we came to faith in Jesus, you see, that faith was simple and childlike. It simply took God at his word. And in a sense, God wants us to keep that childlike faith for a whole lifetime. But beginning faith is not only childlike, it's also childish at times and immature. And it needs to grow up. Because faith in, is always in some ways weak and a trembling thing in all of us it always needs to develop and to mature. And this is true no matter how many years you've been a Christian or I've been a Christian, right? But it is especially true when you're a little child or perhaps you're a new Christian in the faith. And childish faith is easily damaged, easily harmed, easily destroyed. Death traps for faith are put into the path of young Christians, into the path of new Christians, 
And such believers can easily be turned off to Christianity by the sins of others. We see that happening in our world over and over again. When supposed lifelong Christians do immoral and evil things. It's not uncommon for baby Christians to say, well then why in the world should I become a Christian when these Christians act like that, huh? When Christian pastors and Christian clergy are caught breaking the law or committing adultery or sinning openly in society. Tremendous harm is done to new Christians and to babies in the faith. Here in our text, look what Jesus says should happen to such a person. A millstone hung around his neck and tossed into the sea. See, we have to take drastic action over sin for the sake of other people around us and for their spiritual welfare, especially those who are new in the faith. Here are some areas that this speaks to us. In the home, where parents are given the responsibility to raise up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, then we parents need to take that seriously and take drastic action over sin. Foul language and immoral TV shows and a refusal to put the Lord first by weekly worship of Him, all those things, they offend our children. Look what Jesus says here in our text about the millstone, huh? And in our school, right, those who teach, those who assist, those who are the older students in the school, they all have kind of a special charge from Jesus to take drastic action over sin. You see, the younger children ought to see the light of the gospel shine forth from their teachers and from the older children in the classes above them. In the church, in the Christian congregation, here at Our Savior, God wants us to take drastic action over sin by dealing with all of our fellow believers in love, both with our words and with our actions. Pastors, church leaders, we are all called on to model Christian behavior for their flock. Not only true in the congregation, but for example, pastors with their wives and with their families too show that Christian love for the sake of the flock. Whatever the role is in our congregational life, we need to take that drastic action over sin for the sake of the spiritual welfare of the congregation. And remember what the goal always is as we take this drastic action over sin. It's the gospel. It's repentance. It's finally applying Jesus' forgiveness to the sinner. Our goal is not to clean up people's outward lives, but it is to clean up their hearts with the joyful good news of a Savior's love for them. We take drastic action over all sin in our relationships with other people because the gospel finally is what it's all about. Jesus says in our scripture today, have salt in yourselves 
and be at peace with each other. Only the gospel can do that, right? Only the peace that our Jesus won for us as our Savior can give us the power that we need to take this drastic action over sin with the people around us. What you need from me as your vacancy pastor, what you need from the next pastor who accepts your call here, what you need from your teachers and your parents, what we all need from each other as members of Christ's family, it is always the message of the gospel. That sins are forgiven because of Jesus. That he is our sure and certain Savior. He's forgiven us all those sins. He's given us the peace of God which passes all understanding that keeps our hearts and minds centered in him. See, ultimately, this is the only way that we can ever take drastic action over our sin. We go to Christ. We live in the gospel. Look at the drastic action that Jesus took for us, huh? Look at the drastic action Jesus took over sin when he came down from heaven to this earth. I mean, how drastic was that? That the eternal God was born in a humble manger among the stinking cows and sheep. Jesus took drastic action by becoming sin for us. And not just for us, but for the whole human race. By placing himself under the curse of a holy God for a world of people who hated him and wanted nothing to do with him. Jesus took drastic action over sin by coming out of that grave, conquering death on Easter Sunday, coming back to life, and then commissioning a bunch of sinful people like us to go into the whole world and announce what he has done. Oh, drastic action over sin indeed. And we're glad that he took it. So let us all respond with our own drastic action over sin. Amen.